life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. I had a small town moment on the way over here. You did. You just mentioned this. Yeah. I, I, was, I, I wasn't sure if you were going to say this on the podcast or, or yeah. on the air here. No, I did. I was a total small this town moment. Funny. I was coming over in the Mini because okay. actually the weather's turning for real. It so is. This it's weekend, serious about itself. Winter tires went on the Cayenne. Yeah. The Lotus, you may have seen it on Instagram. The Lotus got a, a I'm putting it to bed for a while wash, <laughs> which still probably, let's be honest, wasn't nearly good enough. But I did it by hand. Hey, there it is. Good. So there you go. So that hey, got done. Excellent. But I'm driving the Mini over here, and I saw, as I, as I merged on the freeway, I merged on with one of the Nitrous Blue Focus RS. Oh, yeah. Nice. And nice. I, and, of course, I, I looked at it because, of course, I do it. And he's got Hoonigan across the top of the windshield. Right. So I'm waiting to see who it is. And they passed me. It was not Ken Block. I didn't think so. I thought it was one of his employees. It clearly is. But but here's the thing. The reason I'm laughing about it is because it's small town. So you can <laughs> see this person over and over. But the thing I'm laughing about is I saw more in this car when it passed me than anybody else. Everybody else would be like, oh, blue car. But but the RS goes by <laughs> me. I look in. I can tell it's not Ken Block. Right, right. But I know it clearly works for him. It goes by. The back of the back corner says kill all tires, which I know is on all of their merchandise. Perfect. And the license plate is Michigan, which means it's a press car. Awesome. I took all of this information from a Focus RS passing me on the highway, and I realized I'm weird. <laughs> but I also re- realized it's a pretty small town when, by, while driving from here, from my, my place to your place, I pass Ken Block's office. Right. So I had that moment, right. too. Uh, man, I, I love stuff like that. You yeah, know, for sure. At some point, we're going to run into Ken. Mm-hmm. Hopefully just naturally. You would think it would have happened but by now. He's but around. Yes. The yes. guy's really busy. He's on True. all kinds of race series. He's True. traveling yeah, yeah. constantly. But you'd think it would have happened. But I think at some point we're just going to kind of run into him. He's going to be yeah. at one of the car car club meets or something. I don't know. I've also we'll realized I now have to be a little bit careful in town because I now have two cars that are very, very recognizable. Yeah. I have the Mini with the spots on it, and I have the only yellow, solar yellow Lotus Elise anyone's ever seen. So I have to be, oh, I saw you. I, I have that conversation a lot now. Somebody's like, oh, I saw you the other day. Which well, car was I driving? Yeah, and it's about, you know, you, you pass me at a really high rate of speed, or you cut that guy <laughs> off, or something. I don't want any of yeah, that. None of no. that should occur. Same, same for anyway. my car. It's got yeah. a distinctive license plate. That's true. And, <clears> that's true, yeah. Don't it's want a small any world. of that. The, these, are, these are not actual problems we're discussing. We're just sharing the <laughs> It's, yeah. it's called life, right? It's yeah, life sure. here where we live. Well, guys, welcome back to the podcast. We have been out and about. Actually, a lot going on. Yeah. We've got a we've lot got coming up. We've got a lot more up. travel still. November's a lot of travel this month. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. But, of course, we're following the news as you are and finding out our friends from Koenigsegg are doing crazy things in Nevada. I love that everybody has to come to Nevada or Utah to do the high-speed yeah. run stuff. Well, you know that? Well, Lessai. Kind of like that. The, that Volkswagen uses. Nobody else gets to use that. So yeah, right. Volkswagen owning Bugatti, they can go off and do their high-speed runs, but everybody else creates a high-speed car and goes, what do we do? You know, and you can use the NASA runways in California, or you can come sure, out here. Sure, But, you know, I'm sure all of you guys have read about this, but this is the Agira RS, I believe, and, and they went out to the Nevada desert, like a 12-mile closed stretch. But the thing I find most interesting about it is that's not a flat stretch of road. I mean, no. Is that where the clearly, Silver State Classic was run? It's Highway clearly 160? a smooth stretch of road, but it's not a flat stretch of road. We're talking elevation changes, which is not right. what you're hoping for when you run a run like this. Right. Well, this is interesting. So, yeah, both runs on Nevada's Route 160 between Vegas and Pahrump, Nevada, 278 miles an hour. Ay, ay, ay. Average speed. Yes. 
Holy moly. Okay, so you can find the video. It's everywhere on the internet, of course. Mm-hmm. Really POVs, interesting. They'll, I'm sure they'll have a nicely well-produced uh, piece that comes out for sure. I, I'm just, I'm floored. But, you know, we're in this era of super high-speed stuff now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we kind of were before, but now Bugatti Veyrons are kind of chump change. 250, <laughs> that's it. Because we were talking about the Hennessy F5. Yeah, that's supposed to do out 300. Out in uh, yeah. uh, in Vegas. You yeah. know, reading about top speed, 301 miles per hour with a 1600 brake horsepower V8 engine, twin turbo V8. Mm-hmm. I mean, who records zero to 250 miles an hour to zero? I mean, Bugatti did, but yeah. this is where we're at now. And even though I feel like this is very theoretical with the Hennessy, Koenigsegg just went and did they it. They went and did it. And they did it with a private owner car, too. That's what I find interesting. That right, was not a right. fact. The factory didn't come over here and just decide to do this. The private owner of that Agira RS called up Koenigsegg and said, I want to put this together, which I think is interesting because, you know, you and I joke about trying to get private owner cars to do the, the shooting we do. How different is it? Granted, the, the owner had the idea, but you're getting your car top speeded. At a speed at which, if something goes wrong, you will have no pieces of car left. Oh, you're going to be scattered through and the you, desert. But but you aren't involved. You're there, but you're not doing the driving. Yeah. Nor, nor should you, by the way. Well, yeah. But I just – I think that's fascinating <laughs> that this private owner went, it's supposed to do this. Let's do it. But that brings me back to my, my question slash thought here, though. Okay. This is all just bragging rights. Uh, please don't get me wrong. Incredibly it's cool bragging impressive. Rights. Incredibly impressive. It's what resonated with me as a 14-year-old and yes. into cars and you know top speed. I'm wowed by it. I'm you know, wowed by my head it. around this. But think about this owner of this RS real quick. <laughs> He'll be able to say, my car did the world speed record. But he can't say, I did. And he can't That's say true. that he ever even got close. That's true. <laughs> so I, I find that a really weird bragging rights thing that we've got with these cars that are this fast there's i mean this being an example there's nowhere to do that speed no and there's no. and there's really there's really for most people not the talent to try it either so you literally have got a thing that or the cojones to go 278 but you can just you can talk about the fact that well my car can but so i i i the longer we do this i really struggle with having capability in a car that you can't use Sure, and it comes down to driving fun or the best car. We're yeah. you know we're talking with a friend, and you know it, it always seems like you know the the best car is the one with the most of everything, the most horsepower. Yeah, what are the, what are the, stats the lowest time, yeah, whatever yeah, that yeah. is, and that means that's the best car, and that just isn't, just isn't the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I got to talking with this friend at SEMA, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like yeah that. Stats don't matter. We've said well, this our entire everyday driver existence mm-hmm. since the show started. We're going after the fun. That yeah. you know what this car is kind of slow, and it sticks me right in the heart, and I love it, and I'll never sell it or sure. whatever that is. Well, he, this friend of ours is what I would describe as a tangential car guy. He kind of likes cars. He's right. kind of into right. cars. Yeah. But his first question is, what's the fastest thing you guys have driven? And I can, and, and the thought behind have behind that is, I can sit here and think about it for a minute, but that's so not the point. Agreed. And, you know, here we are. I, I would love to join the 200 mile an hour club. Honestly. For sure. Absolutely. I would Let's love you it. and yeah. I to mm-hmm. check that box and do that. I mean, we've gone pretty fast on the Autobahn, mm-hmm. but to 200 miles an hour, that is bloody fast. Oh, yeah. yeah that yeah, is yeah. Yeah, ripping. Yeah. I'd love to do that at the Texas Mile, mm-hmm. uh, the, sure. the flying mile out mm-hmm. there. I'd love to do it on, in some car and do the, you know, crack 200 miles an hour out there. That would be interesting. But yeah. 278. Yeah. The staggering quotient of horsepower doubling to yeah. get there because totally. of the amount of totally. air you're pushing. Yeah. I don't care what the car looks like. Yeah. 
I, yeah, I, I mean, I think 200. I'd like to touch that. But beyond that, does does it matter? Well, but would I love to have yeah. maybe maybe we'll get an opportunity in life. But of course, I want it to be safe and controlled and all that stuff. I mean, out here, yeah. the Michelin reps were on hand. Go Michelin. You know, yeah, have sure. had it, boys. Sure, sure. Yeah. Unbelievable. So I, I'm just thinking, you know, yeah, what's my own limit? Yeah, my own that. personal. Yeah. You know, 172 or 176, something like that was was us. You did 177 on pilgrimage. Yeah, so, yeah something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. pretty darn yeah, fast. That's very quick. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, people have gone faster, but yeah. personally, I'd love to crack 200. I would too. I would too. It's, and, and, and that's just feel and that. that's personal bragging rights. But mm-hmm. that's a once in a lifetime kind of I can't believe I did it moment. And that brings me back to the whole point. Now, please, I, I don't want to. I don't want to understate this. This is an unbelievable achievement for Koenigsegg. Oh yes, very. And cool. their cars are amazing inside and out. They do really nice interiors. The way they build their stuff, I mean, their stuff is incredibly impressive, and I'm very impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as much as I like Pagani, you notice Horatio Pagani's not out there trying to break speed records. Koenigsegg is making cars that look like what they cost and then breaking speed records. This is incredibly impressive. Sure. I'm sure. just, I keep coming back to, is the car fun at normal speeds? Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, saying, yeah. I'm not asking about the Koenigsegg. I'm saying, in general, whatever car you're talking about, is it fun at normal speeds? Because that's the reality of life. I mean, you own one of these cars. You're not getting to do this every weekend or every month. Or ever. Or, you know, once – I mean, will this car ever hit that top speed again? Probably not. I don't think so. Probably not. I kind of guess not. Yeah. So you own the car, and you're driving normal speeds in the U.S. just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, I mean, not that it's, I wouldn't want to own it though. I no, I agree it's with so you. Strange. It's, it's I, I can live on both sides of the equation. I can be the the twelve year old kid that thinks it's amazing. I can be that kid because I most of the time am. But I also just <laughs> think about it. I keep coming back to the personal life experience of it, and I'm sitting here going, "Yeah, my car went two seventy eight, but I didn't. I, I own that thing that just That's went two hundred seventy eight. To me, That's I, a weird headspace. I don't know. I'm just keep struggling with it. Maybe more so than necessary. The other bit of news going on that you actually wanted to touch on a little bit was. Uh, uh, the ongoing electric car tax credits, and not just here in the U.S., elsewhere too. Mm-hmm. Initially, yeah. they've all existed. A lot of countries have had them, and a lot of them are going away, and it is changing car buying and electric cars severely. Back in April of this year, Hong Kong government decided that they were going to get rid of this tax credit as well. So I went digging here. I remembered reading it, and I just kind of it went by, and I thought, all right, that's interesting. Before this April 1st, 2017 rule change, they had 2,939 Teslas registered. Okay. Well, that was in March. Yeah. And then about 3,700 for the whole first quarter of 2017. And then the end of this tax break was announced. Okay. And then in May, they registered five electric cars. <laughs> I mean, sales dropped off a cliff yeah. because yeah, yeah. of this tax credit. So here we are now. This is not a rule yet. As of right now, as of this recording... U.S. Congress is proposing an end to the federal tax credit for electric cars. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. hasn't passed. We don't know what's going to happen. Sure, sure. And political everything aside, you know, Mm -hmm. which side of the aisle you're on doesn't matter to us. But what matters is, you know, what is Congress going to do? And how does that affect our car buying? For sure. And the big question is, is it worth it? Do we need the tax credit for electric cars to sell? I think... Most everybody is kind into it, especially with Tesla drag racing videos, and everybody thinks they're pretty cool, and maybe I'll own one someday, but do we need a tax credit to make them sell? Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering if it doesn't, you know, if we don't have that tax credit, are bolts going to fall off the list? I mean, interestingly, there's a lot of electric cars for sale. 
the most prominent are the Bolt and the Model S, well, mm-hmm. anything from Tesla. Yeah, yeah. But Ford, Nissan, just about every car manufacturer has quickly cobbled together their version of the electric car mm-hmm. with some small SUV mm-hmm. and made that all electric. The Soul is electric. Yeah. Nobody yeah, buys yeah. it. Yeah. The Fiat 500 is electric. And they only leased them. But, well, but you're touching on the other part of this equation, and that is all of these automakers, here's, here's the thing behind the scenes, all of these automakers have to hit either a cafe standard or a miles per gallon Average, right. So if you're making a lot of high performance cars or big trucks or whatever, whose miles per gallon is in the toilet, you've got to offset that somehow. Well, the way to <laughs> offset that is to put electric cars on the road. So you are, in the case of the the Fiat 500e, losing money on every one of them and practically giving them away under lease because you need the offset for your averages. Right. So that's why. Right. So to this point, I hate to say this. To this point, with the exception of Tesla. Most everybody that's made an electric car has made it for perception and offset mm-hmm. more than they have made it because they want to make a great electric car. I think the Bolt is an example of a car that does it well from a major manufacturer. The Leaf, I could argue either way, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. we're just now starting to reach a generation of electric cars that are good on their own merits and not made for a line item. Again, Tesla's the great exception here. Sure, Not made for a line item for a large company for offsets. We're just getting to that place. But then if you remove the tax credits, the reason these cars have moved generally is, I mean, the 500E, I hate to keep beating on it, but the lease deals, I forget what they were. They were like $100 or $200 a month. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was a steal for that car. For a while, the, the Leaf was like 150 a month for the lease, which is far cheaper than you could ever buy the thing. So... The companies need to get them on the line items as these people are owning them more than they need to actually make a profit on them because of all the offsets and that kind of thing. You bring up a great question, not just this tax credit, but if all, quote unquote, incentives went away, would anybody buy an electric car? I'm asking. I mean, it's a great question. We're wondering. Now, as an aside, electric car sales, I think, will continue their states in the United States that continue to offer their own incentives. Yeah, So sure. Colorado, battery electric vehicle buyers, they get a $5,000 rebate. Delaware, they get 1000 California gives out 7000 So there's 10 states that are part of this zero-emission vehicle program, and maybe they're just sold in those states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. But then I come to the economy, and what happens to the five electric car companies that I can think of off the top of my head that employ people, then they're just pure electric. And they're some, just electric cars. Some yeah. don't have a yeah. car at the market yet. And yeah. Yeah, what yeah. if that goes away before they come out with product? Mm-hmm. Faraday, mm-hmm. NEO, uh, what else? Tesla, Karma, Lucid. and Lucid. Yeah, yeah. Off the top of my head, those are the five. That is amazing off the top of your head. You can come up with five. And, and, and Karma's <laughs> the only one with a car on the road at all out of I mean, those five. I mean, NEO's got their seven-passenger China SUV all electric. Okay, but fair. Whatever, that's a regional kind of thing, you know. But they're they're yeah. a growing company, two thousand yeah. employees yeah, worldwide. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I'm I'm just wondering, is this a good idea? But on the other hand, even though we're for it, why do we have to have incentives just for electric cars to sell? If they're so great, why do we need an incentive? I that's a great question too. Uh, uh, should and, we? And, and even maybe look, it's a bad idea. I don't look, know. Look, even if even if all these incentives go away and electric car buying just drops to nowhere. I still don't think electric cars go away. I think that the, the that I think <laughs> not there after has going been, to SEMA and seeing the trucks. Well, fair, I, but I, I do think there has been a, a cultural perception change that is going because of autonomy, because of all these things. Electric cars are going to keep coming, 
But yeah. I think the – I really wonder about the ongoing take-up, if you will, of electric cars for the next few years if all the incentives start to die out because I do think – I'm going to go back to the original Volt. Okay. The original Volt was a little bit too expensive at about $42,000. Yeah. But yeah. GM – right out front, always talked about it being a $35,000 car because of the rebate. That was all of their marketing. The Bolt is counting on it. The Model 3 is counting on it. There's been a lot of discussion that I have read about the fact that if you're one of the 400,000 people with the Model 3, at some point, and it's not even very far in, like somewhere in the first 100,000 or so, Tesla hits the cap for the number of electric cars sold. <laughs> and so the rebate doesn't count anyway because the car's company sold enough to, quote, unquote, be on its feet, right. even though it's a cash tire fire. So there's, there's all of those kind of things where if you aren't getting that rebate, do you as a consumer, are you concerned now? I mean, these are issues. I'm not, and I'm, none of this and I'm, am I saying because it should be a problem or that's not the right way to put it. None of this is what I'm saying because I think it should be a death blow for electric cars. Electric cars are going to happen. They're coming. And but I, I think agreed, it's really agreed. interesting. How does this do kind of market settling forces, for lack of a better way to put it? Yeah. I mean, I think of you know electric cars like the Bolt for GM could be a loss leader. They're big enough because they're selling trucks, man. True. They are selling Absolutely. trucks. Absolutely. That's back so this to could the- just be almost a giveaway. You know what? You bought the latest whatever. You bought the super high-end Corvette. You want a Bolt? That's what the five hundred just e run around town. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Well, that's what the Aston Martin Signet was. You remember that, right? You buy yourself the <laughs> high end Aston Martin DB whatever, and you get a free rebadged Toyota IA. That's actually it's like the IQ or uh, IA. I, or yes, yeah, IQ. I guess it was. Yeah, yeah. It was the it, their, it was the smart their smart so car. IQ. Yeah, it was their smart car offset. Ugh. It's essentially a rebadged. Toyota product that they gave you. Why did they give it to you? Because on the books, everybody that bought a massive hydrocarbon creating V12 also has a car that gets no gas mileage. I mean, great gas mileage. And so, see, we can claim our, our great miles per gallon. Go Ugh. get some coffee in the morning and cruise around and then go on your road trip with the Aston. I remember Tom Ford, Sheesh. who's one of my very favorite auto riders. He writes for, for Top Gear. Yeah, yeah. He did an article a while back when the Signet was out. Where he he went to Monaco in the DB Perfect. in the DB nine, towing the Signet on a trailer behind him. Oh, I and remember he proceeded this. to drive both of them around the area, and it was a riot. <laughs> That's a great idea. I mean, talk about getting looks. That'll get you looks in Monaco for sure. Just about anything will. So yeah, I I just put this out there. I'm very curious to see. I think we're in this. You know, the economy economy has been roaring. Mm-hmm. Electric cars as a public consciousness and acceptance has been skyrocketing. But now I feel like we're kind of flattening out here. Mm-hmm. And then Tesla can't figure out how to build the Model 3 fast enough. Well, of they're having with problems yeah, trying to get sure. the robots and you know make it all ramp up faster. And then they laid off a whole bunch of people, and they still have a lot of pre-orders mm-hmm. to fill. Tons. But we've kind of flattened out a little bit because of buying incentives. So mm-hmm. Model 3 owners, if you're listening to this and you've got one on order... Are you going to keep your order mm. if this federal tax credit goes away? Now, interesting question. you might be in California, so you might be fine because California, sure, as a state, sure, sure. as I mentioned, will still offer you that tax credit. But what if you don't? Mm-hmm. Well, what if you ordered I'll, one? Are I'll you, go you still going to keep your order I'll, four years from now? I'll go you another one in California specifically. Let's think about LA and the traffic for a second. Okay. Electric cars are supposed to get a clean vehicle thing, but that has a cap too. Right. So right. it is possible that you could be a model. Th- this is theoretical now, but follow me. You could be a model three owner in <laughs> LA and not get a federal tax credit and also not get a clean vehicle sticker to work in the HOV lane by yourself. 
If you got neither <laughs> one of those, would you still get that car? That's the question. Seriously. Is it still cool enough? Is it still the new iPhone 10 to be able to, to buy degree, and still have it that? It's some degree. But, but I agree with you. Those These are buying factors in a Absolutely. place like L.A. Absolutely. I mean, is it still perception or is it, okay, actually, huh, we need to really look at yeah. the financials of this. What if you could go get something cheaper or just as satisfying or more satisfying? Mm-hmm. I remember I remember hearing about people with volts and Priuses, this is in the last few years, that could sell them on the used market in, in L.A. for more money if they had the sticker on the bumper. Oh, my gosh. Because you, Because the stickers are hard to get now. Oh, my gosh. So I really do think about that. If you're buying your electric car because you think you're going to get that sticker and you can't get that sticker now, do you still buy an electric car? So are you saying that crappy old Priuses are going to stick around? They're not going to die because those stickers They're, are on they, the paint? To, to, to play off oh, a cliche, no. they are the cockroaches of the car world. Priuses oh. are not going away. Plus, they look like it, too, even the new ones. I do think it's interesting that the I hardly ever see a Gen 1, but I still see tons of Gen 2. All the yeah. way up to the one that our friends at American Racing Headers put a V8 <laughs> in. But I'm, but thank you for but doing that. Besides by the way. that, but besides that, you still see a lot of Gen twos out there. They clearly just run. Man, this is going to be interesting. I mean, we're following it like crazy. And as I said before, this small part of me is I'm still thinking about the trucks. But just looking at the truck market, all those accessories and the truck lifestyle mm-hmm. is going nowhere. Yeah. And until electric trucks really take hold, there's a few here and there. But nothing like the F-750s of the world or, you know, F-450 super heavy-duty lifted the top of the hood is as tall as you and I. Yeah, one of quarter trucks. of SEMA was massive gas-burning truck stuff. I mean, it just – I just swelled with pride looking at all these trucks. It was Yeah, you were inexplicably glorious. excited about them. Believe it or not, guys, in spite of this, we have two car debates coming up this evening. We still are doing car debates. We, we're just off in the weeds just talking about all this stuff. I mean, <laughs> welcome, honestly, to our conversation because these are the kind of conversations Paul get in and I get into for a couple hours and my wife just rolls her eyes and leaves the room. So, I well, mean, we figure we might as well turn on the mic and record it because this well, is what we're talking about anyway. This is stuff we start talking about anyway. You're absolutely right. I mean, literally, the, the, these two thoughts were in our brains before we started recording the co- podcast. We just said, <laughs> We'll just talk about that up front. Why not? So anyway, we do have a car debate coming up for Peter in Maryland, and also we have one coming up for Kristen in Seattle. So thank you guys for writing in. Again, if you have your own car debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail is the address. I'm going to clarify again. If you write an email to everydaydriver at gmail, we did not get it. Right. Everydaydrivertv at gmail is the email address. You can also go to our website, everydaydriver.com. So let's uh, do a car debate. Jumping in for Peter's debate, he's out in Maryland, and he is a commuter. 90% of his commute is at 65 to 80 miles an hour straight on the Northeast I-95 corridor. No canyons for me, he says. <laughs> yeah. Peter, thanks for writing in. He spends nearly 70 hours a month in the car. Mm. I'm hoping you're actually listening to this podcast during your commute because of the irony yes. and the fun of it. But he's only got three daily moments of joy. Did you read this? <laughs> I did. Two cloverleaf exit ramps and a sweeper connecting the two highways. I I maintain there's no posted speed limit signs on any of the connectors. Mm-hmm. I mean, there must. I'm sure they've addressed it in the rule book. In some but, places, but yeah. You know, I feel like it's a fuzzy gray area. And if you've got, <laughs> you know, if you've got a little bit of space, yeah, I'm saying your on ramp doesn't have a supposed to. Supposed they to don't. If you get on the freeway, there's one, but on the on ramp officer, I mean, there if was you have nothing. To back off of 100 miles an hour to like the speed limit. 
joy. But I am going to say to you, it's much better to be going faster than traffic to merge than slower than traffic to merge. Thank you for saying Every that. Every single time, that's better. This is the point of having a long on-ramp so it gets you up to speed yes. rather than everybody trying to figure out how yes. they're going to wedge you in. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just cleanly merge? For sure. Because you're anyway, already going to speed. Yeah, that's a that's a separate rant, but go on. Hi, uh, yeah, yeah. He's currently driving a 2017 Porsche Macan S. Previously, he had an 08 BMW 128i. Yep. Manual transmission. Like the Macan... Power interior, build quality, all that stuff. What, why we like Macans and like Porsches, but he's yearning for a small coupe because of this high center yeah, of gravity. For sure. He typically keeps his car over a hundred thousand miles. Reliability has got to be up there. He's already at forty-eight thousand miles mm. on the Macan in eighteen mm. months, so he will be oh, back in the man. market soon because he leased a Macan for his wife. So the dual Macan family is what I understand here. <laughs> Don't need the size and storage because he maintains everything himself. But he's already got this E30 race car that fills the the jonesing, the race car the, jonesing Yeah, the full-on race track need is solved by the E30s, which is cool. That sounds like a really fun car. So he's he's given us two options. Option one is kind of the all-purpose car, and he, he describes it as a kind of European Autobahn cruiser because it's going to get a lot of miles, and it's going to be highway miles. So there's that as option one. Option two is, and he actually was inspired by a prior podcast we said, we took somebody's budget and we split it. And he said, you know, he could entertain that, where you've got option two, which is some of his money, which he's got as, as much as sixty-five grand to work with. Some of his money goes to the commuter, and some more goes to a weekend fun car. It sounds to me like your E30 car is probably not a street car at all. So you're talking right. about having a commute car that does, let's be honest, the slog. Now, it's, at least it's a slog that's moving, but the slog. Right. And then you have a right. weekend car that you can drive for fun, so maybe split the budget. That's option two. Right, so I'm I'm looking at these options. You've already had some test drives, Peter, talking about the 2018 Cayman, mm-hmm. Alpha Julia, BMW 320D, so the diesel there, Audi A4 and Q5, yeah. driven the Mercedes E300, and recently a Volkswagen Passat. Okay, so you're thinking for this option one that Todd talked about, a Panamera 4S, 911 C4S, so 997.2, mm-hmm. Maybe a Jag F-Type, which I'm kind of digging there. BMW M2 and an Alpina B7 is on the list, too. It's a big boy. Luscious. Like that car. But here's the thing. The Alpina B7, you've got to go a few years used to touch that with this budget. Oh, yeah. And and the Panamera, too. I mean, all of those he's got there. I mean, yeah. Because, again, you went back through the Cayman. He said he didn't want a daily. It's too loud. It's a mid-engine car. It's a loud car daily. The Alpha, he's worried about the reliability. The, The BMW 320 that he drove, great mileage, but boring. And in the Audis, he's worried about Audi reliability as well. The A4 Q5, I think the A4 would be a great car to just saw through miles. But this is the reason he wound up at kind of the bigger boys. But the bigger boys, you're going to have to go use to get them in the budget. Right. So therefore, because of the, this commute, I'm actually gravitating towards option two, mm-hmm. slicing the budget too. up. I am too. I even looked at three cars for you, Peter. I oh, tried to no. slice it three Seriously? ways. But then I thought, you know what? Insurance is going to negate all the gains that you just got because sure, Iron turned sure. three cars. So I'm going to stick to two. But he gives us examples of like a Honda Accord paired with a Miata. So commute plus fun. Mm-hmm. Or a BMW yeah. 228 yeah, yeah. paired with a Mustang GT. Stuff like that. And so that got me thinking. You suggested the Volkswagen GTI. But for you, Peter, here's my choice. Going for a 2013 Mark VI Golf R. Okay. Because of more power. And not just more power in the car, but the engine internals were strengthened and everything mm-hmm. about the car's drivetrain is more robust. Mm. So I'm thinking for higher miles for, you know, 
obviously the maintenance still is still there. Yeah, yeah. But I went and found you one here for twenty four something like that. Hmm. Twenty four thousand, which left room for a twenty eleven Cayman S for forty one k. So therefore, okay. kind of best of both both worlds. I even found an 08 Cayman S with twelve thousand miles for forty grand. Oof. Sort of like Oof. you know, clearly those Caymans are not people's primary car. I mean, the Jeep's mine. You know, I love yeah, driving yeah, yeah. Cayman, but sure, sure, sure. You know, they just have lower miles in general. Well, and he has Porsche love and German car love, so that applies in that regard for sure. So yeah. I'm going with the two. That's okay. my choice. Mm-hmm. I went uh, with the the two car option Did as you? well. I just I just I like because the slicing of, the, of it. Just like... because of the amount of miles we're putting on this main right. car. That's the reason. Right. I mean, we're just we're sawing through miles on it, and it doesn't have to be all that dynamic. I mean, I'm sure your Macan's been great. But, yes, you want me to jump in or you have... Jump in. That's okay. my choice. I'm going for that Golf R just because I think it'd still be fun. I agree with that. I agree with and that. And then you mm-hmm. still have your Cayman to look forward to. Yeah, and E30 totally. for the race car. Yikes, mm-hmm. all German. But I'm just... Yeah, that's well, kind of I mean, my head's I did, I did ponder two possible do-it-all cars, okay. single do-it-all cars. One would be the Mercedes C43 AMG, not the big boy, the step down. Interesting. That is, I mean, look, it's a I'm nice car those. inside and out. No, I mean, they're going to be the upper end of his budget because the C63 is the better part of 100. So it's going to be at the upper end of the budget. Maybe you go a year used. 50 but yeah. and, and I should have built one. I didn't build one, and I apologize. But So the C43, so the step down. It's a pretty cool car. But, I mean, it's going to get decent gas miles, much better than the big boy will. Yeah, right. But it's a nice place to be. Those cars are dynamically really good. I did think of that as the, the do-it-all, the single car. Okay. The other single car option I thought of, because you used to have a one series, what about a recent uh, two series? What if you got good. the 240? Good. You know, like what if that? you did that? You know, maybe you go M240, but just go 240 and get the sport pack and move on. You know, you could do that if you're going to go single car. So it didn't entertain that a bit, but I prefer the option of two cars as well here just because of the number of miles. Yeah. However, yeah. because of what you're coming out of, your history, I went Golf R as well, but I went current Golf R. Did you? The Mark new seven. one. Okay. Now, obviously, with 65 grand, that's going to be, you know, 40, 45. Sure. But here's the thing great car, though. Starting in 2018, Volkswagen is offering their six-year, 72,000-mile warranty. It's true. You put a lot of miles on a the, car. The we're sorry warranty. That's the war- but that's the warranty for you, man. It's a warranty <laughs> for you because you're going to put a ton of miles on that that's Golf true. R. But, but I feel like it's going to be uh, – the thing you mentioned about the Macan is you, you wanted to have that smaller center of gravity, that lower car feel. Mm-hmm. You didn't have a problem with it otherwise. Well, now with the hot hatchback, we're getting you down a little bit lower. Not a lot lower, but a little bit lower. We're getting you down into a car feel again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think we're maintaining the things you liked about the Macan, if you will, by going Golf R. Dig it. And the brand new one with that big warranty. warranty. A lot to be said for that. Even though it's I agree. a new car, but you're it's because of the miles. And it's the miles we're talking about. Miles. That's the thing. Yeah. And so, you know, that's the way to dodge that. So there's that. Of course, that leaves you roughly 20 grand. Now, where do you want to go with that? How, what kind of fun car are you looking for? I mean, I'm I'm expecting you're talking fun weekend drives, maybe fun weekend drives with your wife. That's the kind of the vibe I'm getting here. I'm not sure. Okay. So Boxster or Cayman, either one. You clearly have a Porsche history. You like Porsches. Boxster or Cayman with 20 grand. You aren't buying the nicest one out there, but it doesn't have to do much other than be a fun car to drive. Right. I think you've got options there. So that was one way to go with the two-car option. The other one is the swap the budget a little bit around. Less money. I to love the dicing up the funds and trying. It to, is interesting, isn't it? You know, funnel this way and that way. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Mazda three. Yeah, yeah. Twenty five grand as the commute. Yeah, just yeah. just look. It's not going to be as nice as your Macan or the Golf R, but it's not a bad place to be. 
Oh, it's great. And it's great and car. it's you know they're just they're solid. They're solid cars. Put miles on it. Go get that yeah. for twenty five grand. They're not that expensive, all things considered. You could do that now on that same level. I will say you could go lower grade golf too. Well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking is yeah. the Golf R prior gen. Yeah, but you could, but you could get the, even a non-GTI. You could just get Golf. Just straight up Golf. You know, you could yeah. do that, and you True. could save yourself money. You can go uh, the new Hyundai Elantra GTs in that world, still hatchback. Yep. It, it's Hyundai makes a Golf is what it is. It's funny. The proportions and mm-hmm. styling. It's like they mm-hmm. had one in the studio. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying here is your single car for that world, but I'm talking that 25, maybe loaded out 30 range of hatchbacks. That are just solid, good gas mileage, decent place to be. You don't buy them for their dynamics, even though, honestly, the Mazda 3 has got really good dynamics. They're just solid cars. You could go that route. Now you've got roughly 40 to play with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How nuts do you want to be? Because your weekend car now doesn't have to be the do-it-all, it-runs-wonderfully. You can go a little nuts. So then you can entertain things like the Evora. Or a Vanquish, <laughs> you know, because it's also not your track car. That's the thing. That's true. It doesn't you need do to be the track the car. It's car just already. going to be the car that you take for fun weekend drives. So you can go almost a little more luxurious, almost a little more toward GT car. I love the Evora for you. I like the Vanquish for you. You could go use 911. You talked about maybe could your 911 be your all-in-one, but what if your 911 is an event car? Sure. So, sure. look, I'm just I'm wiggling around based on within that 65 and he goes back grand. Back to the cloverleaf and just does the cloverleaf all weekend long, sure. like for an hour on Saturday morning. Whatever. Just F- take the find, cloverleaf. Find your fun road. <laughs> well, but Maryland's bound to have some. It's just they're not on his commute. So, anyways, I, I'm I'm slicing it lots of ways, but I think the two car option, if you can do it. Now, look, we don't have any idea how you're dealing with storage. These are all real problems, okay? Do you need a car cover for this stuff? Is it parking stuff outside? I mean, this is my new reality. I can't believe it's my new reality, but I have three cars for the first time in a two-car garage. So luckily, so one funny. of my cars cost $5,000, so guess what? I'll park that outside. Sure, sure. But what is your – look, storage is an issue. Insurance is an issue. All of these things add up. I won't deny that. But just looking at it from kind of a quick standpoint, I think because of your miles – you got to go two cars and let one of them just rack up miles. Agreed. All right, guys. Advertisers are coming your way. We're taking a quick break. Take a deep breath, and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Jay Moore, and it is time, finally, for America's Lakers podcast. That's right. I'm going to be hosting America's Lakers podcast. My man, Aaron Larsoul, an analytical genius. He's going to bring to the table what I can't every Wednesday. America's Lakers podcast exclusively. At podcastone.com, the podcastone.com app, which I highly recommend. You can rate and review this podcast on all Apple products. And guess what we're not going to do? We're not going to bathe in the gossip and the gratuitous negativity that's been swallowing Los Angeles whole lately. Who did what? Who snitched? Who said what? How about truth? How about facts? How about statistics? How about rotations? What's Luke Walton thinking? Who's underperforming? Who's overachieving? Who's rewarded? Who's coming? Who's going? And what are we going to do with all that delightful, delicious cap space? America's Lakers podcast with me, Jay Moore, and my man, my brother, Aaron Larsoul. Every Wednesday, podcast1.com. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. 
back now to the debate with Kristen up in Seattle, Washington. I'm really digging Seattle the more I get up there. And as you know, know you my family lives there. So we're looking forward to the 24 Hours of Lemons <clears throat> in 2018. We're already talking about Hello, it next Dale. year. I haven't even Thank edited this year's film <laughs> from this year's race. And, and, now, and now here's my terror. But I have to get that film cut and edited and out to the general public, including YouTube, before we actually do it again. <laughs> no anyway, kidding. no pressure. Yeah. Kristen, if you get into track driving in any way, Ridge Motorsports Park <laughs> up in Shelton, Washington comes highly recommended. It's we awesome. Love that track. It's a very cool track. Yeah. All right. So she's up in Seattle and she recently taught her girlfriend, she's 33 years old and terrified of driving, <laughs> how to drive. And now both of them are in the market for a second car. Yeah. Bravo. That's really cool. That is pretty cool. Hopefully you're helping her. Take the terror out of it. Yeah, and for just sure. Start to learn how to have fun and you know, all for those sure. things. Yeah, yeah. There's so much to learn. Currently they have a twenty sixteen Super Impreza hatch, but as she notes, it really lacks soul and character because they were a one car family at the time and they just needed something practical. And it's gonna run. And those that's is what those a perfect do. choice for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Bravo, great. So she says, I've heard again and again that Miata is always the answer, so I test drove one. <laughs> Yeah. But my hair was constantly scraping against the roof and driving her crazy. I relate. I so relate. <laughs> she says, I'm only 5'10", so I guess I have a long torso. I so relate. Where it gets worse, <laughs> Kristen, honestly, where it gets worse is when you go over a pothole and your head gets slammed into the crossbar. Trust me. How, how do I know this? It's personal experience. That's not <laughs> yeah, fun yeah, at all. I, and I like the Miata a lot, yeah. but that is a real issue. All right, so things that are important are gas mileage, comfortable seats, reliability, and certainly fun. Mm -hmm. Despite only commuting 30 miles a day, it's a mix of city and highway driving. Yeah. And she says here, I do not currently track. She's open to the idea, hence the opening monologue, but not yeah. sure if you have the time, desire, funds to. We'll work up to it. How about yeah. that? Well, but but that is the truth. I mean, there there is a major situation about consumables once you start talking oh, about yeah. the track, yeah, yeah. let alone the cost of getting on the track. Hey, I'm going to segue real quick. We are doing a Laguna track day, and we're doing a street <laughs> drive. And what's interesting, speaking right to this point, some of you are signing up for the track day, and some of you are only wanting to come to the street drive. Why? Because you have to pay to get on the track, and then there will be consumables. Tires, yes. brakes, these things happen. Oh, guess what? i got to go get a helmet now. These are realities. So look, Kristen, I totally get you may not ever track this car, so we'll, we'll keep Keep that in mind. Fifteen grand is the budget here, mm -hmm. and you've already looked at some great things that we like. List is great here: Fiat Abart, Mini Cooper, Volkswagen Beetle, Volkswagen GTI, mm -hmm. Focus ST, the four-cylinder EcoBoost Mustang, and the Civic Si are all on the list, and all good. Honestly, With all the, good. The, the Beetle's the only one I'm like that's a left turn, but the rest I really like. <laughs> but the suggestion that she says here. An old Honda Prelude has caught her eye. Yeah, those were cool cars. This got me thinking. Good, good. Okay. Manual or automatic is fine, but she's definitely leaning towards the manual, which is great. She's got the disease, and so she's she's wondering about, okay, we $15,000 budget, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. should she also lease? That might be a separate conversation over here. True, true. Just because of, you know, we know people who just like to trade cars like mm -hmm. they trade underwear, yeah. and... Variety. I'm all yeah. about variety too, but and, and, with cars, it's hard. And sometimes, and I'm I'm reading in that this is the situation here. Their lease budget might be two or three times the monthly payment they'd be willing to pay for a car they bought. True, that's you a know, great they're, point. They're willing to buy a car. For, I'm looking, making up numbers off a different conversation. They want to buy a car for twenty five, but they'll spend eight hundred dollars a month on a lease. I find that math kind of insane, but I understand that what you're doing in one equation is you're buying the car out, no no payments really at all, and the other equation is, look, if I'm going to have a car payment, let's get something hot. I do get the discussion. I'm going to stay with the $15,000 we bought the car. 
I'm kind of with you. I, I'm with you. I, I entertain the lease idea, but leasing generally wants the 36 or 39 months. Maybe the 24 is doable, but mm-hmm. your payments go up. And sure. The chunk of change you got to put down on a lease is tough. That's yeah. that's a rough number. It's like three to four grand, depending mm-hmm. on the car. And I'm just going. And you're tracking your yeah. miles and a lot. There's a lot of other variables. Look, yeah. we're fans of leasing and it can really work, but it but it has its own variables for sure. I love Todd's Mini. I love the first gen of the redone Mini, whatever gen that makes yeah. that Mini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second or ninth or whatever that is. The, the, the R53 and up is what we're dealing with if you want Thank to get you. really into the speak. There you we're go. We're down yeah. in the weeds already. I mm-hmm. love it. I like the size of your car. I do too. I do too. But with 15 grand, I went looking for the nicest Mini Cooper S that I could buy. Okay. Landed right, on a 2012, 31,000 hmm. miles. It's a Mini Cooper S, as I said. Okay. Okay. 15 grand. Hmm. Dark blue. Delightful. Not, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. That could really work. Mm-hmm. But then, keeping in mind this Honda Prelude comment, I went, okay, going backwards a little bit. Okay, all right, where'd you go? about a 2011 RX-8 Grand Touring, Ooh. 73,000 miles for just under $11,000. I'm actually surprised it's that much. That's a good deal, though, yeah. Kind of cool. Red looked mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. great shape. Again, the Grand Touring kept going back. Okay, all right. How about a BMW 128 or 135i? With a sport package. 135 Probably. with a sport package would be the, would be the business. That'd that be a, would be That'd be really neat. good. That'd be really good. Suddenly like you're that. in a German yeah. car. You're digging it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I kept going back. <laughs> BMW Z3. I thought Z4 Ooh, too, but I'm not okay. sure if you'd like All the right. Z4 as much. Okay. Z3. All right. What about a Z3? And coming back to my earlier comment about these cars, the good ones were... The third car for a lot of owners. Sure, yeah. And yeah, right yeah. now, mm-hmm. at fifteen grand, you can find these cars with like 26,000 oh, miles. Oh, the Z3s are cheap. The Z3 convertibles are really, really cheap. I mean, the cheap. problem is, yeah, it might be a 2000 or a 2001 car. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an older car, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's got super low miles, and it's cherry, mm-hmm. perfect condition. You might be able to find, you know, I'm just kind of wondering, you might be able to find a great deal and get that car and it's sort of like, oh yeah, where did these cars go? Sure, sure, sure. Here is one, Mm -hmm. unrestored, perfect low miles. Yeah, it's good. It could work. But the 128i, I came back to, and of course, that's the thread between the prior debate and this one. Sure. Because, uh, yeah, Peter used to own one. So Mm -hmm. love that car, put a lot of miles, but kind of digging the 128 it has to have the sport package. If you go it 128, does. it has it to have that car. Yeah, well, I think, that I will think change the one series in both is, is good. And the 135 with the sport pack almost feels like – it feels like what it is. It feels like a little brother to the M3. Mm-hmm. I mean, it isn't quite M2 quality kind of stuff. and It's certainly not the 1M, but it feels related. It feels like it's got something going on. The 128 is not a fast car, but with the sport pack can be good dynamically. I, yeah. I like that. That's actually on my list too. Okay. So thank you. I'm glad you brought it up because I think that one series should be looked at because the, the because the numbers are right. That's why it's so great. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing yeah. I want to say to you, Kristen. If if you've you're you're buying the non appliance car and you have the disease and you're going manual or stick and you're you're learning to love cars more, so is your girlfriend. I think all of this is fantastic. Yeah. So I thought, all right, let's stay away from front wheel drive. Because Interesting. I, look. You like know, it. you've listened to the podcast. Okay. You know, we love the Fiesta ST. I own a Mini Cooper. The Focus ST is awesome. The Abart would be fun. I, I, I have no issue with front-wheel drive. But let's get you into a completely different experience. I, I get the sense you haven't owned rear-wheel drive before. Hmm. So right. I want to get you into that classic experience. You drove the Miata kind of, I feel like, pursuing that idea. So let's try to go rear-wheel drive stick shift. I like that you brought up RX-8. I didn't think of that. That's a good one. Just struck me. You know, what's the nicest mm-hmm. R8? 
RX-8 you could go buy. 15 grand. That's a lot of them. You could get kind of middle-of-the-run S2000. She likes the Prelude. Let's go S2000. Good. Maybe Good. a late AP1 or really early AP2. That's the revision. Low AP2 happened 04. So we're talking you know, up to 03 is AP1. I'm certain you can get them for 15 grand for AP1. AP2s, you can do it. You're going to have to shop careful. Yeah. But that's the Prelude done better because it's rear-wheel drive, one of the best gearboxes ever. I could go on and on, but I will stop there. So <laughs> S2000 is a great option. And then... Your issue with the the Mazda Miata was it's too small. I have to say it, $15,000 buys you a Scion FRS all day long. Yep, at 86 platform. Yes. Easy. And the FRS are less are, seem to be worth less than the BRZs, but both of them for fifteen grand, get yourself a 2013, possibly a 2014, easily. And trust me, I, I am crowded in the Miata. I can wear a helmet and have space. In an FRS. And you're not, you're not even tracking this car. My point is there's plenty of usable space in there. You want reliability. If they're going to be fairly low miles. They're going to be reliable. They get good gas mileage. I mean, I think that really does check all the boxes. It is. It solves the issue you have with the MX-5 Miata. So that's sure. why I say you have to sure. drive that car. Oh, I like and that. And it teaches you all of those great dynamics. And then while you're at it, you mentioned it. I think it is a great call. EcoBoost Mustang. Interesting, yeah. All of these are rear-wheel drive. I like your 135. I like your RX-8, Paul. All of them are rear-wheel drive. We're giving you classic dynamics. If you have the disease, I say pursue that and get that life experience. No, oh, I love it. Well, guys, thank you so much for writing in. Both of you, really, really appreciate it. it makes for fun debates, as you can see. But uh, we'll jump to questions right now. We've got a lot of questions going on here and uh, reloading Facebook to pull this up. There's tons, yeah. What else? Uh, what on here has stood out to you? What kind of questions? Uh, Chad wrote in on Facebook, tire-related question. He's talking about being in uh, the mid-Atlantic East Coast. Yeah. And he's talking about winter tires because it's not really like I'm not snowed in. This isn't Buffalo, New York. I've got a lot of water. So he's asking us tire questions about water. And I'm going to say this. Look, this is, a, this is kind of a long question. He's saying, you know, what tires for this, what tires for that. The big thing I'm going to say is look up, and I love Tire Rack for this, not an endorsement. I just love their comparisons. Look up Tire Rack for when they, they judge tires based on hydroplaning resistance and, and traction in the wet. You'll see wild variation in how tires do. If you're concerned about wet I would shop looking at those kind of factors because those are big factors. But here's the thing I'm going to say to you overall, Chad. The biggest thing that I have learned about tires now living in Park City is it's about temperature more than anything. And if you're going to be hanging out and you say you do during the winter, less than 45 degrees is just the temperature. Mm -hmm. I think you need your winter tires. I think you need winter back. Now, some winter tires are better in the wet. I'm not talking snow. I'm just talking rain than others. But I fully believe you should be on winter tires for below 50 degrees, consistent below 50 degrees. Above that, get a tire that has good wet uh, wet traction properties. The Michelin Pilot Supersports, that's a really aggressive summer tire that can go to really hot temperatures. I never had a single issue on those tires on the FRS, ever. They were great in the wet. Cool. Downpours, they were awesome. But yet they were a good sticky tires. Conversely, they are 88s. I'm getting it wrong. But they're Yokohamas that come stock on the Elise. Don't drive that car in the rain. <laughs> I don't care how hot it is. I don't care how, what the – don't drive that car in the rain. So you can chase, chase those things. But I would say if you're thinking about having two sets of tires, shop the tires, the brands that you like that get good ratings for hydroplane resistance and wet winter traction, wet weather traction, and then chase tires per temperature more than do, is there snow. 
Agreed. No, that's an excellent question. I always love talking about tires and, and then going and feeling tires. You know, we look at <laughs> yeah. cars, we'll drive a car and yeah. look at the sidewall. You know, what, what is this? What am I mm-hmm. on? And well, then, you know, it, it does, it does add that extra layer of change in the dynamics. You can get into a car and you can tell, wait a minute, you and I had this discussion when we first drove your GTS versus my FRS. And we could feel differences in the dynamics that we could actually relate to the tires, not the chassis setups. Right. It was very interesting. Right. That uh, 2016 GTI that we drove. And we know it's a better car than the tires that were on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When we drove that one recently. Yeah. A couple Just, of years ago. Yeah. You know, going, okay, oh, I the, yeah. know this is tires mm-hmm. letting down this car. For sure. When you, when you throw the car in, the tires give up and you're going, that, sorry, the car didn't give up. The tires just yeah. gave up. Yeah. They're sliding away. All right. On Facebook, Cajun Michael asked about his 10-year-old son. He said, Paul, my 10-year-old son loves cars, engineering, and drawing. Any advice for getting both of us educated on the car design career field? And Vince C. piles on. He said, I've got a son with the same interests. So to both of you and anybody else interested in car design, that was my thing. I, mm-hmm. I grew mm-hmm. up drawing cars all over my parents' walls and in the margins <laughs> Literally of Literally on your parents' and, walls, yes. You know, I wasn't drawing furniture. I was drawing cars with blowers on uh-huh. them and, you know, all kinds of crazy <laughs> Everything's stuff. Everything's better with big exhaust with fire coming out the tail. That's totally. exactly what goes on. Maybe that's why I'm such into trucks. Like 12% of me is go. into really It's 12%. Trucks. Wow. I think the, the it kind of went up while growing. I was at SEMA. It did, for sure. Settled out. 12, I could have left 13%. you in the truck hall, which I think was a mile in every direction, <laughs> and you would have been fine. Hanging open. I could have come back for you later. It, it was crazy. <laughs> Look at that truck. I want it, but I don't need that. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, all right. So, Michael, I'm going to talk about my own education. That was at Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, California. I went there after seeing a program about it. As a matter of fact, Chip Foose is a graduate. He was my instructor for eighth Craziness. term. Craziness. We just ran into him at SEMA yeah, at the Velocity yeah. Party there, and uh, it was cool to say hello to him. And that was the only term he ever taught. He taught eighth term trans. It's crazy that you had him for an instructor. Yeah, yeah, it is cool. And then his career is blown up. But he comes from a car design background. I mean, Art mm-hmm. Foose was his dad, hot rodding in Arizona. I mean, yeah, he had yeah, it yeah. in his blood. For sure you know, nurtured the talent there. But I will say industrial design is the career you're looking for. I thought mm, it was mm. drafting and I was trying to cobble together graphic design and mathematics. And then I found out about this career field called industrial design. Mm, it's mm. different than an artist. Whereas an artist will draw you one image or paint you one painting for a thousand dollars. An industrial designer will give you a thousand sketches for a dollar each. <laughs> yeah. But an industrial designer knows production processes and, and how things are made yeah how yeah. they go together the people who build them the materials all that stuff and then draws in such a way yeah. as to make the product where the fasteners hidden hidden how are things mm-hmm. put together understanding the production processes influences your drawing you're not just drawing sure. random kind of sure. stuff over here that means you're an artist yeah and if you can't sell it that does put you in the artist category even though <laughs> fortunately you know artists yeah. still need to sell their work too but it's it's a piece of art if you can yeah. design this thing and it doesn't sell at a price point back to the conversation about schools and getting educated there's okay. a number of schools okay. around the u.s there's of course royal college of art and a bunch of schools in in asia but the biggest ones are Art Center mm-hmm. and its rival College for Creative Studies in Detroit, CCS mm, in Detroit. Okay. All right. There's also Cincinnati. There's Cleveland. There's uh, Rhode Island School of Design. Hmm. And there's Academy of Art up in San Francisco, which has actually a lot of former Art Center instructors there. Interesting. Okay. So investigate the curriculum and program because for high school students, you can actually get into their high school programs. Oh, and you really? And get okay. nurtured, you know, nurture your kids along that direction. Okay. Uh, a lot of people 
have, you know, gotten their kids interested in that. But, you know, even at local colleges, get people into art and drawing. Hmm. But, but if you're not if you're not at one of those focused schools, you're in an industrial design program at a, at a other other universities. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. As a matter of fact, BYU down here in Provo, they yeah. have an industrial design program. Do they? Many okay. schools do have industrial design, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of courses that you can start to take to Got it. gravitate Got it. towards that. So without elaborating too much further, cool. look into cool, industrial cool. design and transportation design or car design is really just that. Mm-hmm. Cars are just big, expensive products. For sure. That's, made up of tons of little pieces. That's yeah. all they are. And, you know, paying the healthcare of the people who build them, but that's yeah. a whole other discussion. <laughs> but the yeah. point is, the design skills apply, whether you're designing eyewear, footwear, your clothing, mm-hmm. a house, mm-hmm. products, electronics, cars, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. That design thinking applies. And look around your room, your laptop, everything in front of you was conceived in design, hopefully by a designer first, hopefully, working yeah. with engineering. Yeah. At Apple, design leads. That's why mm. Apple has such beautiful stuff. And then they force the engineers to pack all to the components mm. into the latest, thinnest design. Mm. Whereas other companies, you can tell, oh, I see the engineers took control here and the designers took a back seat. Interesting. You can okay, kind of sure. tell which companies sure, sure. have, you know, huh. go both ways. But now design is so important because mm. the things we have in our lives, that matters. That's why the art we hang on our walls and the mm-hmm. clothes we pick and the car we drive. And <laughs> it says something about yeah. us. And it speaks a visual image of us. So industrial design is what you want. Cool. Go, go looking up that. And good, all good. those schools that I named are great curriculum. And uh, you can investigate. That's good. I have another tire question. This one from our friend George, Mystic Negro. Ah, yes. Instagram. Hello, George. He says, okay, he's done many modifications uh, to his, what he describes as money pit of a Mini Cooper. So I'm hoping that that's your experience, not mine. But he said he, he got, at one point, the widest tires he could on our compound rubber <laughs> and quickly felt like he'd ruined the car. So his okay. question is, Fair enough. can you go too far in tires? Or is it better to be on the other end of the spectrum? The, the, the other book end of this is the original 86 mm. with those primacy tires that are just slick. And I'm going to say it again as a guy that owned one and loved one. Anytime you hear anybody that says this car is no fun with good tires, they are wrong and have not driven the car hard. Mm. But, but back to George's question. Can you overtire a car? Yes, but I'm going to say depending upon purpose. Okay. Because if okay. your purpose is, for example, we have a friend, Nate, in Chicago who has an FRS that he autocrosses. And we all kind of agreed when he did this, when he got his new super-duper, ultra-wide, mm-hmm. extra-sticky rubber tires. We all kind of agreed, him included, that he'd gone too far. However, <laughs> in autocross... He is traction king, and he can take down big boys because he's just got so much stick. So what's your purpose? If it's a daily driving situation, yes, you can absolutely go too far. And it also depends on your driving preferences because what do you prefer? I like to have a lot of rubber on a car. I like that. The Alpha 4C is an undertired car. Every time I hooned that car on spot, I wished for a different tire setup. I wish for a different car. I know you did, but I, okay. but I kept thinking I'd like to have different tire setup. Now, as you get to wider and wider tires, you lose little nuances of the steering, and you start to gain an overpowered steering feel where it's just following everything, and you're wrestling the car more because you've got – it's just it's, – it's, ty- it's tank treads stuck to the road now. You know, <laughs> right, so, right. so there's a fine line there. you got to figure out how you're driving it. I think in a daily driver perspective, maybe you go a half inch wider than the factory 
and go a little stickier than the factory. But beyond that, you're probably over-tiring the car. But back to your question, George, if you're tracking it, tires are king. More tire. Bring more tire. Hmm. Oh, I love that. And there's a question over here on Twitter from Brandon asking about myths. Aside from every German car being unreliable, what is the automotive myth you would you would wish would stop being told and handed down from generation to generation? I like your German cars are unreliable. I would add that American cars are junk. Mm, mm. That used to be the case. Yeah. In all kinds of cars. I mean, there are great sure. ones, and we love them despite that. But admittedly, there's some better cars. Yeah, yeah. And there's the automotive myth that Japanese cars are just going to run. Well, they actually still do, because that's true <laughs> in general. Well, but some more than others there, though, too. That's yeah. true. But they're still mechanical devices, even though yeah. Camrys run in spite of all of us, yeah, which for, bugs do. me to no end. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, American cars, they're junk. Buy an American truck. You know, you want to pick up truck, just, you know, pick your brand. Uh, you know, of the three, but, you know, in general, that American cars are whatever. Mm -hmm. Don't go for those. Ford has proven all of that wrong. <laughs> the new Mustangs, the Fiesta STs, Focus STs, just about everything they build just feels tight and solid. Yeah. Not a fan of the Explorer, to be honest, but everything else, I love Ford. Hmm. Love their products. I know you do, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. gosh, yeah, there's there's all kinds. I think... After the uh, the government bailout of the financial crisis, for sure, yeah. things definitely improved. FCA yeah. definitely improved a lot. I think uh, the cash infusion helped dramatically. You would hope so. You would hope so. Yeah, <laughs> from the Italians. But yeah, I'd I'd go with that. That oh, you know, American cars aren't going to run, and yeah, mm -hmm. that, that's mm -hmm. kind of still a general thinking. I mean, they exist because you know these these myths exist. Yeah, well, I mean, be, it's, because it's, of the past, it's the joke about. You know, cliches, often cliches exist because there's a pattern. Yeah. You know, as much yeah. as we might not like cliches, that does happen. I hear that. I hear that. I Yeah, I'm I'm going with that. I mean, maybe that, uh, you know, Kia used to be the laughing stock and, you know, they were junk, whatever. Yeah, no longer. Have you seen their warranty and have you driven these cars? Yeah, that's Same fair. Same with Hyundai. That's they were, fair. Yeah. yeah, back in the day, 20 years ago, yes, just... Mm -hmm. Probably not the best. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, and then Saturns came along and then... Everybody in Japan laughed. Yeah. You know, they Sad were unconcerned. True. Sad but true. But uh, uh, things see, have come a long way. That's good. You see Occam's question on Twitter? Occam, <laughs> our friend from Germany, he asked a great <laughs> question. Budget supercar for daily use. It's an either-or question. Budget supercar for daily use. Audi R8 V10, so early Audi R8, which I, I love that car. I love that car. Or original Acura NSX. <laughs> and I'm going to say for daily use, the Acura. Because I think the that. Acura, I, if I'm picking the car, Occam, just the car straight up, I'd really go R8. That R8, something about that first-gen R8 to this day is just a car that hit me straight in the heart. I love that yeah, car with the, with the gated six-speed shifter that. and that 4.2 V8. Snickety snick. And I just, I, I, that's on that my must-own yeah. at some point list, Okay. And I love the NSX, but I just like the R8 more. However, I think if you were going to just daily drive it, I remember when we drove the two variations of that first-gen NSX, both those owners said something very similar. They both said, maintenance-wise, I'm driving a 90s Honda Accord. Hmm. Fine. 
which is great. Fine. Great. Because dynamically, it's this fantastic mid-engine, unique sports car with a great whale and a nice gearbox, and it's just fun to drive, and it's got a decent interior. Mm-hmm. Even to this day, it's got a decent interior. Maintenance-wise, you're driving a 90s Honda Accord. Sign me up. <laughs> exactly. So if it's daily, I'm going that. I, I want to say the NSX. I want to, and I love that car. But based on where you and I live, yeah, having winter tires on that R8 sure. and just sure. bulletproof, bombing yes. around, I mean, low center of gravity, oh, yeah. Yeah. all-wheel drive. I mean, you could actually go high speed down the mountain almost. Yeah. I see that. I, of course, I, you know me. I drive the NSX all winter anyway. But but I take true. your point. I mean, you could you get, do that with you NSX. Get the, you get the R8 wrapped, and you just, you're yeah, bomb-proof. I get totally. that. Totally. Yeah. You, you have know, your winter wrap that defends it, and off you go. I mean, your I bright it. color in the snow, crazy wrap, bright colors. Uh, that that You're right. Tires. I would do that. The child in me would do that. But I'm if we're talking thinking, about reality, I think the NSX runs better. But I take your point. There's also a question from Ben D. on Twitter. He's asking me, which design language do I prefer more, Kia or Mazda? As much as I talk about Kia and I appreciate Hyundai and where Kia is going and, you know, the new Genesis brand and everything that, that is being done, I admire it. I'm very thrilled with yeah, it. Yeah, I know you are. The Mazda's killing it. Their future concepts are really gorgeous. Their styling's awesome. It really, I mean, Mazda for me, not by much. I mean, Kia's up there, but I love them because of the, the personality that they exude mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the fact that they have come up out of nowhere, the 20 years overnight kind of... You know, finally yeah, sure, we're sure. here, but I, I love them for the personality that they exude, not just for the styling. The Mazda, they're just flat out gorgeous. Mm. And I would put Mazda up against any expensive manufacturer for beauty. Their surfaces are great. I'll put them up against Aston, mm. you name mm. it, because wow. yeah. they're up there. The transitions, the thought through, even on the Mazda 3, I'm just going, all right, this is an economy car. Mm-hmm. This thing's gorgeous. It's well done. The, mm-hmm. the lines are well resolved. Things are thought about. Yeah, yeah, The yeah. new corporate look is so gorgeous. That's cool. That's I'm cool. loving Mazda. What else on here? Anything else for you? I think I've got it for now. We, we do have, I do want to mention this up front. I'm teasing. This is podcast 245. We number them all now. At mm-hmm. 250, we will do an all questions podcast. Now, this is not our hundred, every hundred podcasts we do an all questions, no cars. This will be an all questions of course, cars podcast will come up at 250. So keep that in mind. Uh, if you've got crazy questions you've been saving, that'll be a good time to dive into those because we'll do a full hour podcast on questions. But thank you guys always for sending us more questions than we can cover. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to try to keep getting to most of those. So please keep asking as always. Write to us. Love to hear from you and uh, weigh in with all your thoughts. Uh, we love hearing from all you guys. So thank you again. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth, you will certainly send any text about your supervisor to your supervisor. What's with Janet's bangs? Did she lose a bet with a weed whacker? <laughs> LOL. And sent. Wait, no, 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 no. Truth, it's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. Janet, I think my phone was hacked or something. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. 
ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.